This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The ones that we have in right now, I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. Only one week to make up your mind what voters are facing in the Metro Vancouver civic election. It's just, it's nerve-wracking because you're you're hoping they made it out. Kelowna tragedy. A truck plows into a home, plunging into the pool. I think it's really sad to see that much garbage, like, right in the river. And needles left as a result of the opioid addiction in the Cowichan River. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, there is only one week left to go until Civic Election Day, and voters will soon have to narrow down their top choices amid a sea of candidates. Across several municipalities, allegations now on top of who to decide of voter fraud. Nadia Stewart has the details. Early bird voters in Surrey cast their ballots, hoping for change. I think some people have been there too long. If we go for just one slate, and uh, there are chances that we don't get uh, you know, the able and competent people. Allegations of vote buying in Surrey, Richmond and Vancouver is now prompting an investigation. At least one pollster says the situation in Surrey is making it difficult to glean the electorate ahead of October 20th. And it's very complicated to try to make sense of whether there is vote buying going on. There's an investigation right now going, so it's a little bit risky to try to figure out what is going on. Still, Canseco says it's clear crime, transportation and housing will be the vote drivers in this fast-growing city. Housing also top of mind for Vancouver voters. But further complicating their final decision is the myriad of candidates vying for a seat. Full show independence and the Green Party are favorites this time around. I voted for some parties and an independent for mayor. Well, I'm going with the independents because, uh, well, the ones that we have in right now, I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. When you have 50% of residents saying, I am considering independence, they might be considering many of them. So you could be in a situation where a lot of people vote for different independent candidates and nobody gets elected. This is, in many ways, a very different election, with several municipalities on the cusp of change as countless candidates vie for victory. Interestingly, election watchers say there could be a connection between the high number of candidates and voter fraud allegations. New campaign rules mean big money is out and small money is fighting its way to the top. So they don't have to have deep pockets. And it's in that context that we're beginning to see then uh, some of these shenanigans occurring, uh, which suggest an attempt to influence voters or to buy uh, votes uh, or to offer inducements to vote. The final countdown is on for voters who still haven't made up their minds in what is shaping up to be an interesting race. Nadia Stroke, Global News. In Vancouver's uh, school board race, a candidate for Vancouver First has resigned from the party after their mayoral candidate spoke out about uh, BC school sexual orientation and gender identity policy. I'm pushing back against the heavy-handed way in which SOG123 was introduced into our school system insufficient consultation with parents. 
Fred Harding has posted a video in which uh, he says he's opposed to how the SOGI policy was implemented in BC schools. Tony Dong says that that is not what he stands for and is now running as an independent. Given the immense negative backlash, my name being associated with anti-SOGI websites and just the concerns I've received from many of my LGBTQ peers, I've decided that the principal thing to do would be to distance myself from the party and run as an independent because this is something I cannot and will not stand for. We're talking about SOGI 1, 2, 3, not SOGI. SOGI is a human right and we absolutely 1,000% support SOGI. I want to be very clear about that. And it's not... What people say I said, it's what I actually said. All right, a closer look at what's going on in the Vancouver mayoral race. Uh, Independent Kennedy Stewart has been facing the heat after audio surfaced. It was a phone call of his campaign manager uh, being heard bullying a rival supporter. Uh, Now, Paul Johnson has got details on this story where Kennedy Stewart says he is standing by his man. I don't think it's acceptable for anybody. As a supporter of a rival candidate, Mike Jagger expected there would be blowback when he criticized Vancouver mayoral candidate Kennedy Stewart online. He wanted to draw attention to the fact that a big union group is supporting Kennedy from outside of his campaign. He admits he may not have worded it as precisely as he should have, but he was still stunned when Kennedy's campaign manager started calling him at work. This is part of their call. I'm telling you, you're libeling Kennedy Stewart, so you need to take that down, and I want you to do that right away, please. Oh, but is it is it untrue? Mike, I'm not going to f*** around anymore here. Just take it down, or I'm going to have to follow up with a stronger, you know, kind of uh, approach. We caught up with Kennedy Stewart Saturday to see how he felt about that exchange. Well, I'm extremely comfortable with my campaign manager uh, letting the other campaigns know that this won't stand. Stewart says that tweet is an example of the kind of dirty trick seen in U.S. politics, so he supports his manager's forceful pushback, including the salty language. I think actually it was kind. Uh, the level of slander and libelous uh, statements that have been going around are, are just uncalled for. Whether Jagger's tweet rose to the level of slander would be something for a judge to decide. But Jagger's friend and Kennedy challenger Ken Sim says that call went too far. No, I, I don't think it was professional at all, and it's actually quite disturbing. Jagger says the more reasonable approach would have been for Stewart's campaign manager to simply challenge him with another tweet, and then maybe follow up with an aggressive phone call. We're a week away from an election. This is the front runner to be the mayor of our city. It's horrific behavior. Paul Johnson, Global News. We now move to a tragedy in Kelowna. It happened early this morning. A truck hit a home before diving into a pool. The driver is now dead. Global's Jules Knox reports. Just before one in the morning on Saturday, a truck smashing through a fence, swerving through a house, and plunging into a pool nose first. It pretty much did shake the neighborhood. Like you, you heard it, it was not a little crunch. It was a loud smash, boom, and a little bit of a rumble to it. Like we heard the crash and like we felt our house shake. Like it was crazy. Like Neighbor Christopher Blomquist rushing to the scene at the corner of Kelowna's Catter Avenue and Ethel Street. Is there anybody in the vehicle? Seeing the truck in the pool, he dove into the water. I tried to submerge myself in the truck, but 
with all the oil and the diesel and everything, and it got in my eyes and I swallowed a bit. Blomquist says it was pitch black and he knew the clock was ticking. It's very panicky because you, you, you know somebody was driving the vehicle, but you can't find them. And it's just, it's nerve wracking because you're, you're, you're hoping they made it out and you're hoping you don't grab somebody underneath the water. Blomquist spotted the driver floating face down in the water and pulled him out, starting CPR. At first, you know, it's adrenaline. There's really no feeling involved in it until it gets to that point where you actually do find somebody. Um, and then it just, it changes everything. Um, now it's, now it's no longer a search for somebody. Um, now, now it's a fight to, to try and keep this person alive. The 20-year-old driver from northern BC had been ejected from the vehicle and did not survive the crash. The truck was pretty much accordioned, squished in like this. The investigation is ongoing and police haven't ruled out speeding or intoxication as possible causes. The truck will now undergo a mechanical inspection. RCMP say nobody in the house was injured. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. And a 30-year-old motorcyclist has died after a crash in Abbotsford. It's happened just after 4.30 yesterday afternoon. A motorcycle collided with a pickup truck at the intersection of Sumas Way and Marshall Road. A 37-year-old man was rushed to hospital but later died of his injuries. The 42-year-old driver of the pickup was not hurt and is cooperating with police in their investigation. In Surrey, concerns about a firearm leading officers to pull over a vehicle on Highway 10 just east of 168th Street at about 5.30 last night. A Surrey man has been taken into custody. A firearm was found inside. It's not known yet if charges are being considered. A Victoria area nanny is facing a slew of new sex charges involving children. Jonathan Lee Robichaud of Central Saanich has been charged with 11 more offences, including sexual interference, invitation to sexual touching, assessing and possessing child porn, and making sexually explicit material available to a child. The 30-year-old was originally charged last month when allegations surfaced after a parent told police that her two sons under age 10 may have been sexually abused. Robichaud's next court appearance is on October the 17th. The RCMP say discarded fireworks are to blame for a bomb squad call-out to Nanaimo's tent city. About 30 people were forced out of the homeless camp last night after what appeared to be bomb-making components were found on site. The RCMP's Lower Mainland Bomb Squad arrived at around 10.30 last night and after x-raying the material, they determined it was commercial fireworks. The person who found the fireworks disposed of them in a sharps disposable box, which police say could have actually become an improvised explosive device because of the needles inside. No one was hurt uh, in what happened there. Now, in uh, Cowichan, there are concerns about discarded needles, just the latest with the opioid crisis that is sweeping across this province. Kristen Robinson has the details. Howie George and Riley McIntosh have a clearer view of the Cowichan River after spearheading a cleanup effort. Well, it's really sad. It's very sad because this is, our pre this is it. This is our bloodline. The Cowichan River is the lifeblood of the 
Cowichan people. It's been used for food and transportation and everything for thousands of years. But the waters First Nations have traditionally used for their food fishery now polluted with garbage, including used needles. I think it's really sad to see that much garbage like right in the river. It's just that it's like a really unfortunate, unhealthy situation. So they decided to take out the trash. Donning gloves and armed with kitchen tongs, their volunteer crew recently collecting more than 1,000 needles near and on the riverbank. It's overwhelming. The needles and paraphernalia in the, in the water is scary because that does go down, fish take it. But not a shock to the local Sharps pickup program. Some of them out of the wrappers, a couple are still in the wrappers, so they haven't been used which has seen demand spike as fentanyl takes its toll. At the present, it's it just exploded with the opioid crisis. From the beginning of 2018, we have picked up almost 24,000 needles. The river rigs handed over to Dave Ale and his team, who collected 4,400-plus needles in August and close to 7,000 in September. These volunteers understand many of the homeless campers have nowhere else to go. But the bottom line is, let's keep the garbage out of the river. The water's our playground, and especially for innocent children. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Cleanup is set to get underway at the site of a natural gas pipeline explosion outside Prince George. Enbridge isn't saying how long this cleanup is going to take. Now, the explosion, you might remember, happened on Tuesday at an underground pipeline, temporarily shutting down two natural gas pipelines. The incident has led several major industries and institutions to switch energy sources, reduce operations or shut down temporarily. There is still no word on what triggered the rupture, but the RCMP are saying that they have ruled out any criminal cause. In other news today, hundreds gathered in Surrey to mourn a beloved math teacher who was killed in a crash last week. At the packed vigil, praise poured in from family, friends and students of Suminda Singh, who they describe as a kind, humble man of integrity. The Tamanuas secondary school teacher was at the wheel of an SUV that slammed into the back of a tractor trailer on 176th Street near 32nd Avenue. Singh was also a cricket coach, a volunteer and minister. Organisers saying close to $20,000 has been raised for a legacy award in his name. It was quite a big shock, but it's so amazing to see the community gather around just for just for him and his legacy and all that he's done for us. Like to accept it at the beginning, it was really hard. And a lot of us cried, we came together as a class and that was sort of how we sort of started recovering. I don't, I don't know if there's any words to describe the loss. Um, I don't think a thousand teachers can fill up what he left behind. Now, with recreational pot set to be legal in about a week and a half, a lot of people are still trying to figure out what impact this is going to have on our daily life. Jill Bennett has got the story. For some, legalization doesn't really matter when it comes to using cannabis. Others are looking forward to it. I just think that it's Vancouver. Time to get with the program. Yeah. So come up and talk to us, sign our petition to get smoking out of the homes of children. But with cannabis officially becoming legal on October 17th, there are still many opposed. This small but vocal group held a Grey Day for Canadians rally, saying more cannabis means more secondhand smoke in multi-unit dwellings. 
87% of people in BC don't smoke, and yet they're held hostage in their homes by other people that they share walls and electrical outlets and ventilation systems with. And they are also raising other health concerns. National Defence says that they're not going to let any members of the, of the armed forces drive for 24 hours. So what about the rest of us? What about the rest of us? Where are limits? There are no time delay limits. There's no potency limits. It's reckless. But cannabis advocates challenge those claims and say even with legalization, not much is going to change overnight. Cities like Vancouver that have a lot of dispensaries already, I think will continue to have a lot of dispensaries, although it seems like some places at least are going to be shutting down and trying to apply for a legal permit. So if anything, cannabis could be a little harder to get on October 18th. There is also the possibility of more enforcement once cannabis use in parks and other public spaces becomes a bylaw offense rather than a criminal one. I really do believe that we need to create indoor places people can use cannabis in a social setting. It's otherwise, it's absolute hypocrisy to complain about those using it outdoors or in their own homes if we're not going to give them a safe place to do it in that kind of social way. Jill Bennett, Global News. Welcome back. Well, in Kelowna, there were dozens of residents meeting today over a controversial housing project. As Megan Takato now reports, the questions are over a vacant lot. The rush to do something good with this particular project that has been uh, ill thought out. Uh, a large crowd filled a church hall to voice their opinions on a proposal to build a 52-unit supportive housing project in the midtown area of Kelowna. BC Housing says the project would provide housing for the homeless and those at risk of becoming homeless, with the aim of helping them move into more permanent housing. But many of those who live and work near the proposed Agassiz Road location have concerns. I'm actually a recovered drug addict and I used to live on the street here in Kelowna. I, I am now also a business owner here at Orchard Plaza. Many stood up to voice their issues with the project. The security of the residents and the security of the staff that we have at our plaza right in behind us are at a great, great risk. Taking these people and putting them into a single facility in the middle of uh, a high-density residential neighborhood is just completely the wrong approach. What happens with the older generation when you go out to walk your dog or you go to have your grandchildren here and you're met by 19-year-old plus drug addicts? But not everyone was opposed. These are people who have paid taxes, lost their homes due to certain things, fires, floods, those types of experiences. These are not 100% across the board all people with just mental health and addictions issues. The facility would be run by the local branch of the John Howard Society and in a statement, BC Housing said it, along with Interior Health and the John Howard Society, are committed to ensuring the safety of residents and neighbours in the surrounding community. Quote, experience has shown us that we can create a positive environment in the building and successful integration with the local community through ensuring there's a healthy resident mix and through 24-7 support. The public will have another chance to voice their views at an open house in November. Megan Turcato, Global News, Kelowna. Michael Bublé's management has been quashing rumours that the singer is about to retire. Doesn't mean I love you 
In interviews with UK media, Buble is quoted as saying he will retire after the release of his new album titled Love. That's set to be released on November 16th. The singer goes on to say that he's changed after his son Noah underwent cancer treatment. But Buble's manager is telling us the retirement reports are untrue. It is not known if he was joking at the time. I've seen Michael Bublé in concert. Of course, an incredible singer, but yeah. he is really funny. Like he's he a is. funny, <laughs> yeah. funny guy. So for him to joke about that, I, I find that hard to believe he would be retiring. At uh, you know, he's no. a little young and he's still incredibly awesome. So yeah, yeah, he can't retire. No, not maybe yet. Maybe he just felt, felt he needed some TV time. Oh, maybe he doesn't. never gets. No, you know, he's never on. <laughs> well, he loves his house so much in Burnaby. Yeah, yeah. 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 And we need our Christmas special for yeah. December, right. so we've got a yeah. lot of things on the docket. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Barry's going to have sport with us in just a second. But Yvonne, looking at the weather, oh my goodness, the day today is amazing. <laughs> it's spectacular. It's been like this uh, for the past week. It'll continue. Uh, it's all about the sunshine. Temperatures are going to bump up for a few spots as well. A glance at our tower cam and what it looks like out there. So spectacular. We've had beautiful sunrises and sunsets. We have seen a few fog patches for a few areas. And temperatures for the early morning hour, to keep in mind, has been on the cool side. So we are looking at frost, but then it rebounds very nicely for the afternoon. So we'll have more on how long the sunshine and balmy temperatures are going to last coming up. All right. Okay. And what have you got? Apart from a nice haircut today. A nice yes, haircut. Very, very nice. It's going to very fresh and clean. Oh, thank you. I did go for a nice autumn drive today. Down in <laughs> South Langley. It was beautiful. I know I don't talk about nature often, but I thought I should throw that in. Well, Saudi Arabia once again denying killing the Saudi journalist who has been missing and feared dead for more than 10 days now. Jamal Khashoggi was last seen entering the Saudi consulate in Istanbul on October the 2nd. And as Richard Engel now reports, the kingdom has yet to provide any evidence that he left there alive. Turkey says it has graphic recordings that prove 15 Saudi agents murdered journalist Jamal Khashoggi inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. Recordings President, President Trump addressed for the first time today. We've all heard a lot about the audio. Nobody's seen it yet. We're going to be seeing it very soon. But President Trump made it clear what he doesn't want to happen, regardless of what the tapes may show. Losing a multi-billion dollar Saudi arms deal. I actually think we'd be punishing ourselves if we did that. There are other things we can do that are very, very powerful, very strong, and we'll do that. Turkish officials insist the recordings are specific and damning, and they're convinced that the Saudi hit team flew into Istanbul, abused, killed, and dismembered Khashoggi, then headed back to the airport. But now there's a new twist on this story. A pro-government newspaper in this country is reporting that when Khashoggi walked into the Saudi consulate, he was wearing an Apple watch synced to a phone here outside, and that the watch was recording. So he was able to secretly record his own torture and death. So perhaps Khashoggi outwitted his assassins and recorded them in the act. But that doesn't answer a key question. Where is Khashoggi's body? Two chartered Saudi planes left Istanbul the day he went missing. Only one was searched. Richard Engel, NBC News, Istanbul. In other news tonight, the bodies of 11 infants have been found in the ceiling of a former Detroit funeral home. Police say they got a tip leading them to find a small coffin containing several bags filled with the remains. The funeral home where the bodies were found was closed earlier this year due to several code violations and because of what was described as deplorable, unsanitary conditions. 
An American pastor who had been in prison in Turkey on terrorism charges returned home back to the U.S. today. His first stop was to the White House to thank President Trump personally for intervening on his behalf. Kelly O'Donnell now has more on what has been a powerful and a very strange scene at the Oval Office. A long-awaited embrace on American soil. A motorcade escorted Andrew Brunson from Joint Base Andrews to the White House, where the North Carolina native and his wife Noreen headed for the Oval Office after a two-year odyssey in Turkey. They fought so hard for you. They wanted you out. The pastor, whose freedom became a cause for government officials and faith leaders, expressed his family's gratitude. And we especially want to thank the administration. But then, in a stunningly personal expression, for such a public moment. We would like to pray for you. We pray for you often. He dropped to one knee and asked to pray for President Trump. Lord God, I ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on President Trump, that you give him supernatural wisdom to accomplish all the plans you have for this country and for him. A mix of relief and resolve. The president packed the Oval Office with invited guests, the Secretary of State, National Security Advisor, and North Carolina's congressmen and senators. We welcome the pastor back to North Carolina. The president touted his administration's success, bringing a number of detained Americans home. Basking in a joy-filled reunion, the president turned to the pastor's wife with a notably conspicuous exchange. <laughs> Could I ask you one question? Who did you vote for? <laughs> I knew the answer. Votes were clearly on his mind as the president immediately headed to a campaign rally in Kentucky, reminiscing about his own winning year. In health matters tonight, more and more women around the world are giving birth by C-section. A new study published in the medical journal The Lancet has found that the number of babies delivered by cesarean section has nearly doubled since the year 2000. It now makes up 20% of all births. The rates of C-section still vary widely by region, though. The procedure often unavailable to women in low-income countries, uh, but tends to be something that is overused in the West. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. All right, we all like good weather pictures. Let's share this with you. A spectacular light show in Los Angeles last night as a thunderstorm rolled through. Take a look. I thought, oh, there you go. All right. All right, we got one. Uh, and this is a news crew in a helicopter that oh, captures uh, pretty amazingly a number of oh, lightning strikes in the skies there. It wasn't just Whoa. lightning, though. Wow. Uh, the storm also bringing in rain and light snow to some parts of Southern California. Nearly 10,000 people were without power. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs>
spectacular. Yes, I've also got some photos to share this evening, but we'll start off with the tower camera, what we're seeing out there. Beautiful sunset uh, tonight, dry conditions. We'll see a very similar weather picture looking ahead towards tomorrow. Still a cool one with temperatures sitting at 11 degrees, but a light northwesterly wind at 7 kilometers per hour. A couple of photos across the province. This was sent in from Amanda near Twin Lakes. That's near Penticton. It's a beautiful shot there in the valley. We can see the rainbow. And Kelly Williams and Andrew Chin sent us several photos, and this is the cranberry harvesting in Richmond. Spectacular. That is very cool. So thank you so much for sharing those photos. Temperatures today up to 14 degrees, right where we should be. It's been quite chilly, though, for the morning, starting off at 5. On the Almanac, record-wise, 22 degrees was set back in 1961. Highs near 9 for Williams Lake, similar for the Peace. Coastal, coastal sections for Prince Rupert at 12, and Victoria today climbing up to 17. Currently sitting at 14 for North Van, 16 for Burnaby, 15 for areas near Pitt Meadows, White Rock sitting at 15 degrees, and areas near Chilliwack at 16, with Hope Cooler at 10 degrees. Single digits for Quinell at 7, Bella Coola at 10, and your current temperature, Victoria, closer to 14 degrees. Satellite and radar, most areas across the central and southern half of the province, we've been seeing sunshine and dry conditions. The one area, though, the exception is the extreme northwestern corners of the province. We're still looking at some shower activity or rainfall. That's what remains unsettled over the next little while, but all areas across the province are benefiting from this ridge of high pressure. It continues to build in very strong and looking ahead towards next week, we'll hang on to sunshine, dry conditions and potentially into next weekend. For the piece, the big weather story tomorrow will be an increase in cloud cover. A southwesterly wind ramps up, sustained at 30, but gusts between 50 and up to 70 kilometers per hour, clearing once again though on your Monday and temperatures getting up to 16 for Tuesday. Whitehorse a fairly dry day for tomorrow. Rain by the evening hours, a cooler one with a high of 17. Coastal sections, a partly cloudy sky, 14 as the high, dry over the next three days. Caribou and central interior, many spots will see fog patches for the morning hours and temperatures below the freezing mark. We are looking at frost and then rebounding for the afternoon with the double digits. Similar for the Columbia and Kootenai with the windshield for the overnight down to minus four. Frost and then back into some sunshine and temperatures up to 12 degrees, even warmer for Monday, Tuesday. For many spots into the interior with the Thompson Okanagan getting up to 16 on Tuesday. Whistler, very pleasant, but also hovering the freezing mark, so chilly and cool for the early morning hours. And along the island and many spots across the, the south coast, we'll see some morning fog patches. Metro Vancouver, a long-range forecast. It looks spectacular, so I wanted to show you the next seven days. Oh my and goodness. to note, areas away from the water, Sonia, it looks like we'll get back into the 20s, so fantastic, paired with that sunshine. Back to you. I love that. It's almost like, is that real? The Global News and Global News Radio 980 CKNW Leadership Series. An in-depth collection of one-on-one interviews with our province's best and brightest. Featured weekly on BC1 and 980 CKNW. All right, lots of sports to talk about with Barry. Mm-hmm. Start. Yes. Yes, Sorry. there yeah. is lots. I know. I just, there's so much. <laughs> go, I, go, I had go. to cut you off. That's how much we have. All right. Thanks, Sonny. The uh, Canucks are on the ice right now in Florida for game four of their six-game road trip. Perhaps you felt the excitement earlier in the day with the much-anticipated debut of Antoine Roussel. Well, maybe not, but uh, he does give the Canucks a veteran presence who leads by example. And he's frankly not fun to play against. He's actually played well tonight. He had been out with a concussion. To make room, the Canucks put defenseman Alex Biega on waivers. We'll see if he clears or not. Roberto Luongo honored before the game for playing 
his 1,000th NHL game, which happened late last season. Luongo currently injured, so not in the lineup tonight, but gets the customary silver stick for 1,000 played. No fans showed up. Look at all the empty seats. It is Florida, after all. Second period. Finally, we get a goal. Jonathan Huberdeau follows up his own rebound, gets it through Anders Nilsson, starting for the second straight night. 1-0 Florida, but the Canucks answer on the power play. Guess who? Elias Pettersson. The kid just scores, rips the wrister, his fifth goal. He's got a point in every NHL game he's ever played, which is now five, tied it at one. But just after they kill the penalty, Panthers keep possession, and Vincent Trocek powders one past Nilsson, 2-1 Florida, but the Canucks answer right back, and it's Antoine Roussel, who is fouled on the breakaway there, so a penalty shot is awarded. Roussel not considered a true goal scorer, but weaves in and snaps it past James Reimer. That's a great move. Tied it at two. He was pumped up, and the Canucks are back on even terms. And then early in the third, this is not good. Pedersen gets hit hard on the boards by Mike Matheson. No penalty. You wonder why. Should have been boarding at the least. Pedersen left for the dressing room, has not returned. Moments later, Bo Horvat and Sven Berchi combine on a beauty. Spectacular backhand pass by Berchi, finished off by Bo. 3-2, midway through the third, Canucks in front. Well, it's down to the final four games of the season for the Lions. They will have to win at least two of them to get into the playoffs. Tonight, they're in Calgary against the first-place Stampeders. But that might not be a bad thing. Calgary has virtually wrapped up the division, and they are severely injured, especially at receiver. So if ever the Lions were to steal one in Calgary, this is it. And before the game, Wally Buono honored. What an honoring going on tonight. Wally have scored, of course, 12 seasons with the Stamps at McMahon Stadium. His uh, last-ever regular season game there, at least. Travis Lule back at starting quarterback after missing four weeks with a left shoulder separation, not his throwing shoulder. And Terrell Sutton made his Lions debut, a hard-nosed runner, showing that with two straight 10-yard runs in the first, led to a field goal. Later in the first, Lule going deep into double coverage, but... No worries, it's Brian Burnham who makes another fantastic catch. It's a one-handed grab. It seems the tougher the scenario, the more likely Burnham comes up with it. 54 yards led to another field goal. And then this on special teams, Chris Rainey sitting out. Wally Buono not happy with his production, but the former stamp, Anthony Parker, stepping in. And how about this? A 79-yard punt return knocked out at the four-yard line. But that's the kind of dynamic play they could certainly use at this time of year. And then a couple plays later, it's Terrell Sutton. Going to take it in from four yards out. He just runs straight up and down and hard, this guy. Perfect for this time of year. 13-0 Lions, 61 y- rushing yards for Sutton in the first half. After a pass interference call, Sutton will go in for his second TD. Lions were in control, but then a couple of late turnovers led to two stamp TDs, 2018, early in the third. Two other games today. Huge playoff implications in the West. Bombers hosting the Rough Riders. First quarter, Bomber defense coming up big. Adam Big Hill forces the fumble. The ball lands in the hands of another former Lion, Anthony Gator, and he takes it all the way for the touchdown, 7-0 Winnipeg, and it was all bombers the rest of the way. Matt Nichols going up top to Darvin Adams. He's gone, 72-yard touchdown, 
Bombers up 14-0 after one, and they keep piling on in the second. Backup Chris Strebler in on short yardage, but fakes the sneak and then slings a 31-yard touchdown pass to Weston Dressler, who makes a fantastic diving catch. Bombers blow at the Riders 31-0. They're now four up on the Lions at 9-7. The Riders are 10-6. And, and Eskimos and Red Blacks, Edmonton starting the day last in the West at 7-8. Second quarter, 9-7 Ottawa, and they add to the lead Trevor Harris to Deontay Spencer. Hits him in stride, and he is gone. 61-yard touchdown, 16-14 Ottawa at the half. But in the third, the Eskimos put the pedal down. It's... Mike Riley across the middle here for the touchdown to Bryant Mitchell. 20 unanswered points by the Esks who win 34-16. So they move past BC temporarily at least for fourth in the West after the 18-point win. Welcome back. The Seahawks will likely go with a pregame meal of fish and chips and kidney pie tomorrow in London, England, as they get set to take on the Raiders. It is a long way to go to play a football game, but it should be a fairly routine win for the Seahawks, who almost upset the first-place Rams last Sunday. We get more from our favorite bloke, Chanel, in the red zone. After losing to the Rams last week, the Seahawks now embark on their longest road trip in franchise history. A win on Sunday versus the Raiders in London gets the Hawks back to 500 heading into their bye week. Seattle still in the wildcard picture right now, but a letdown in the UK could be disastrous as the schedule only gets tougher. The Raiders aren't very good right now, especially the defense, second worst, giving up 30 points a game. Now, Oakland is allowing seven yards per play. That is the most after five games since 1970. And in the last three games, the passing defense has been burnt six times for plays over 44 yards, including this 74-yard score versus Miami. While Derek Carr is in the top five for passing, he leads the NFL with eight interceptions, including three in the red zone. What's worse for Carr Seattle have been ball hawks this season, nine picks, second best in the league. Now pressure Carr could result to turnovers for the Seahawks defense. Just like The Undertaker, the Seahawks running game has come back from the dead. After averaging just 69 yards through the first two games, Seattle has averaged almost 160 in the last three. Three straight games where Chris Carson or Mike Davis have gone over 100 yards. Now they face a Raiders defense giving up the second most rushing touchdowns and rank in the bottom five against the run. As for Seattle's run-stop defense, 29th overall, allowing 129 yards per outing. Now the Hawks gave up 155 yards to the Rams, including three touchdowns by Todd Gurley. While Marshawn Lynch has just one 100-yard game this season, he could bust out versus his old team at Wembley Stadium. David Moore is becoming a target for Russell Wilson. Three catches, 38 yards and two touchdowns last week. And Tyler Lockett has four scores in five games. Look for the wideouts to make big plays against a very bad Oakland secondary. Seattle is a three-point favorite and is 2-2-1 two, two and one against the spread this season.
Baseball playoffs, game two of the National League Championship Series from Milwaukee. Brewers won the opener 6-5 last night. They've won 12 in a row, and it looked like 13 straight after this Travis Shaw solo homer to center made it 3-0 Milwaukee. But L.A. battles back, and in the top of the eighth, Justin Turner launches one to left. Two-run homer. L.A. wins it 4-3. They even the series at a game apiece. Game three Monday at Dodger Stadium. ALCS underway. Houston 2-0 up on Boston in the fourth. Back to the NHL for one more. Rangers and Oilers. Wayne Gretzky at MSG with Kelowna actor Taylor Kitsch. Friday Night Lights fame. First period. Connor McDavid starts the play. Darnell Nurse with the shot. And the Nuge, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, scores on the rebound. Still tied in the third. Nugent Hopkins to Dreisaitl to McDavid, who chips it past Henrik Lundqvist. Oilers get their first win of the season. 2-1 over New York. Dozens of people will be joining us at Global BC to cut and donate their hair to create these wigs in support of Wigs for Kids and the Canadian Cancer Society's Wig Bank Program. A Global News Morning Special next week. All right, let's share with you the official photographs of yesterday's royal wedding because they have just been released. Uh, Princess Eugenie of York marrying tequila marketing executive Jack Brooksbank at Windsor Castle on Friday. Uh, she is, of course, the granddaughter of Queen Elizabeth and ninth in line to the British throne now. Uh, she's the second daughter of Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson at the day ending with a private dinner at the Royal Lodge in Windsor. And if you want to know how many people watched the wedding, the BBC, of course, said no to televising it. But an estimated 2.1 million viewers in the UK watched her get married. Uh, ITV, the only UK broadcaster to air the entire service live, BBC and Sky News showing just snippets of the wedding. About 18 million people across the UK watched the May wedding, if you compare it, of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Oh. I felt a bit sorry for her about that. And gift bags from the royal wedding have already been put up for sale <laughs> online. Uh, several postings appearing on eBay just hours after the pair tied the knot. The embossed burgundy bags contain, do you want to know, an order of service, a Windsor Castle chocolate coin, a commemorative fridge magnet, chocolate chip shortbread, a poncho and a can of natural spring water. The asking price is ranging from between 100 and £1,000. The bags were given to members of the public who had been invited inside the grounds of Windsor Castle. You might remember the gift bags from Harry and Meghan's wedding. They fetched more than £1,000 online. Again, showing us the importance between the two, which is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> but also, so, you're being given to you're being given these, and now you're putting them it on eBay immediately. Meant so much to yeah. them that they thought, "How can I profit from?" It? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you? Would you? No. Wouldn't you wouldn't do no, it. You'd keep no, it. No, I've never. I, I still have uh, the bag from your wedding. I've never tried. Oh, um, yes, of course. That's the collector's item. Yeah, it was, yeah. Just, wouldn't believe we'll put it, it on eBay it tomorrow. <laughs> Quick look at the weather before we go. A long-range forecast looking fantastic. Areas away from the water into next week could get back into the twenties. Fantastic. Get out and enjoy it. Thank you very much for watching. Have a great <laughs> evening. We'll see you tonight at 11. Good night.